Welcome to The Meeting Room, a place to gather and discuss all things relating to meat safety, quality, and production. In the last week, over 580,000 beef, 1.9 million hogs, and 30,000 sheep were harvested in the United States. In the news this week, Smithfield Foods announced that they will be remodeling their pork processing plant in their hometown of Smithfield, Virginia. The plant will no longer harvest, but will be switched over to increase production of bacon, ham, and other further packaged meats. The slaughter numbers is expected to be shifted to other facilities, and the renovation is not expected to lead to any layoffs. Beyond Meat will be releasing a plant-based chicken product at Panda Express in California and New York City. The product will be offered as a substitute for their orange chicken. The chicken war isn't over. Popeyes is releasing chicken nuggets the end of July. The original chicken sandwich war uh, was started with Popeyes when they released a chicken sandwich about two years ago. This sparked a trend for new or re-imaged chicken sandwiches at fast food restaurants across the nation. Welcome to the meeting room. My name is Brianna Boozman, and today we are going to be talking about food labels. While walking through the grocery store, it's often pretty amazing to see just the sheer numbers of products that are available. And this is everything from food products to home goods to cosmetics. Uh, really anything that you can imagine, there's hundreds of items. And a lot of times it seems like when you walk down an aisle, there'll be 10 different versions of the same thing. And really the only difference between them is their label. I think of this specifically whenever I'm looking for shampoo or lotion. It seems like there's just dozens and dozens of options, but really not a lot of differences between them. And this sometimes can be the case where different companies will actually source their product from the same processor or the same distributor. And so much of the difference between the products and specifically between name brand and generic is simply within the label. And the label on a product is extremely important and something that may not really be thought about oftentimes when you're shopping. Um, Though there may be products that are eye-catching, things that draw you in, typically you become pretty loyal to a brand. However, uh, for you to get to that point where you're loyal to a brand, there had to be something that drew you in to purchase it. It may be a friend's recommendation, it may be something that you grew up eating and so you knew that you liked, or it may be something eye-catching on the label that made you decide to give it a try. And so oftentimes that label or the packaging that that food specifically is in is one of the reasons that can make you purchase a product. And it's a really, really cheesy saying, uh, something that I grew up hearing But uh, your smile is your logo. When you think about approaching a person, um, a lot of times you're drawn in by their facial expressions, especially if it's a new person. The body language that they're giving off is going to make you decide if you want to go towards that person um, or if you want to try to shy away. And really the same thing can be said about a food label. And there's really no better marketing than good packaging And if you combine that with a good product, people will continue to go back. And to continue this on, how many times have you been at a cash register and on your way to checkout, 
and you purchase something last minute on impulse. Um, a lot of times it's not something that you necessarily need, but it maybe just caught your eye as you were going out. For me, a lot of times it's candy, uh, specifically gum, is something I never go into a store intending to buy. I have a pack of gum in almost every bag, but it catches my eye and it's something that I think that I need or that I need to try. And so really uh, that packaging is a big portion of that marketing. It's your logo um, and it's what's drawing those people in. When we talk specifically about packaging on meat products, uh, typically we're focusing on processed products. So when you're at a retail case or when you're looking at actually the meat counter, typically what's going to draw your eye there is the actual meat product. Typically those cuts are going to be uh, displayed on a tray with some kind of over uh, covering or some kind of plastic covering over them that lets you actually see the product. And from there you can make the decision on if the price is worth uh, the product. However, a lot of times on processed meats, you are not actually able to see what the product looks like. And this is specifically true on things like meals that have meats in them, canned meat products, soup that have meat within them. You're not getting any kind of view into what that product looks like. And so you really have to rely on what that label is telling you. And so though labels can be really eye-catching, uh, not just anything can be put on a label. Not just any words or phrases or different um, characteristics can be included. There is a specific labeling process that is required, and today we're going to talk through the things that are required to be a part of a food label and how they impact you. So the first thing that is required to be on a food label is a proper product name, and that makes sense that the name and the actual description of the product needs to be included. And so what this means is that there has to be a specific name or statement on the package that gives a truthful description of the product. And so this lets you know exactly what you are purchasing. And so for example, a pack of Oscar Mayer hot dogs, it may be kind of intuitive what they are. You can see the hot dog in the packaging. Big and bold on the top may be Angus Beef or some kind of really eye-catching logo or name. But specifically under that will be a statement that says something along the lines of uncured beef franks. That gives you a specific description of what is in that packaging. Another example of this could be something like a prepared meal or a frozen meal that you would see in the freezer section uh, that includes other ingredients besides just the meat product. So for example, uh, Banquet had Mega Bowls, they were called, that was the big highlighted name, but underneath that it would say um, pasta and meatballs, and in the meatballs it said they were made with chicken, pork, and beef. And from there it gave a further description of what the pasta included, um, really to give you just a good look into what product you were actually buying. And the names that are included in that proper product name again, have to meet a food safety inspection service definition for standard of identity. So basically what that proper product name is has to meet requirements to make sure that that actually gives a good statement and a good identification for what that product entails. 
The next thing that has to be included in a label is the inspection stamp and establishment number. So in the United States, all meat products are legally required to be deemed safe by a USDA inspector. So all meat that is available for sale legally is required to be inspected to make sure that it's wholesome, that it's safe for human consumption. And so each product containing meat, whether that be fresh or processed, will have a state or federal inspection stamp and establishment number, uh, which lets you ensure that that product was, in fact, inspected. And the inspection stamp is usually a little circle, says U.S., um, or inspected and passed on the front portion, typically, of that packaging. And a lot of times the establishment number will be included right near that inspection stamp, or printed on that same running line with the expiration date or the best buy date. And it'll oftentimes say E or EST and then a um, code with the establishment number. And so each establishment number lets you trace a product um, back to the plant. Each plant or meat processing facility has a unique establishment number. And so this is beneficial in case of a recall. If a product needs to be pulled from the shelves, um, they're able to identify where it was manufactured and be able uh, to trace that product. Additionally, if you ever want to track where your meat came from or find out um, a little bit about the plant that it was processed at, there's a mobile MPI directory app or a mobile meat and poultry inspection directory app Uh, which is a free app that allows you to look up any of the establishment numbers, locations, um, or different things relating to the processor to find out where your product came from. And though much of that information will likely match uh, some of the contact information that is also on the label, um, it may give you a little bit more info on the type of plant that the product was produced in um, or specifically where that plant was located further contact information, and that kind of thing. Uh, So if you're interested in that, look up mobile MPI directory um, in the app store on your phone, and you should be able to download that um, and identify where some of the meat products that you are purchasing come from. The next thing that has to be included on the label is an ingredient list. And this may sound really simple, but the label needs to include what is inside the package and what's inside the product. And so all ingredients are listed in order of quantity. Typically the first ingredient is the most abundant ingredient in the product um, and it goes down from there. If there's less than 2% of any ingredient at the end of the statement, it will specifically say, less than 2% of, and then list those ingredients. In addition to just listing the ingredients, allergens need to be made known. And so most of the time, allergens will be bolded at the end of the ingredient statement uh, to make sure that they are highlighted in that product. And the eight major allergens that are identified on a food label include milk, eggs, fish, shellfish, tree nuts, wheat, peanuts, and soybeans. Um, In addition to this, at the end of the ingredient list, you may also find a statement or a word such as spices, seasonings, flavorings. This is done to be able to protect proprietary blends. So if there's um, a specific recipe that a company uses, it allows them um, to be able to keep um, some of that concealed. 
And you can't just put any type of ingredient into the uh, name of spices, seasonings, flavorings, that sort of thing. Um, the ingredients that are within them are approved and um, they do meet certain standards to be able to be listed under those names. The next thing that is included on a food label is the name and place of manufacturer. So the information that you could find on that uh, mobile NPI directory, a lot of times the majority of that information may already be on the label. And so on every food product you purchase, there's a section that typically is near the nutrition label uh, that contains the name and physical address of either the place that that product was made or the distributor or the facility that it came from. And so this again plays into traceability of that product and allows you to contact the company if you choose to do so. So if you have any problems with a product, um, if you find something in the product that's not supposed to be there, if it doesn't meet quality standards, um, if there was a problem with the packaging or just anything within that product, it gives you a chance to actually contact uh, that manufacturer and identify where it came from. The next thing that is needed to be included on a label is the accurate statement of net quantity. So this tells you how much of the product you will be purchasing. Um, I usually look at this whenever I'm trying to make comparisons between brands, not always just on meat products, uh, but on other food labels as well, just to try to get the most bang for my buck. But in addition to the statement of net quantity, there can be some slight differences from what the label says to the actual weight of that product. And this can be due to evaporation or variation in moisture um, in different batches of that product. And the variation that you see has to be in an approved range. So you can't buy a package of hamburger that's supposed to be five pounds and only have two pounds in it. That likely isn't due to moisture loss or evaporation. There is probably something wrong there. And so just to still maintain that consistency, uh, there is a little bit of room for variation, but in approved levels. Next, we have the safe handling statement. And meat products are required to give you a description of how to actually handle the product to keep it safe for you and your family to eat. And so this could be something as simple as saying, keep frozen, fully cooked, ready to eat, or refrigerate after opening. And the purpose of these statements is really twofold. One, it helps keep you safe, and it also protects the processor from getting in trouble if the consumer misuses the product. So picture this, um, it's been hot here. Um, imagine a beautiful, sunny, 80 degree summer day, and you are gonna have some friends over for a picnic or a cookout, and you're planning to grill hamburgers. You go to the grocery store, you pick up some ground beef, buns, pickles, um, and then when you run some other errands, you leave those products in the car for a little bit. And once you get home, uh, you leave the ground beef on the counter in the kitchen for a couple hours uh, before you get that grill lit. And while you're at the party, you have a great time, but later in the evening, a lot of the people who are in attendance call you and say that they became pretty sick. And likely, if those food products were sitting in a warm car, the buns probably didn't make them sick, uh, the pickles probably weren't the culprit, 
And so that leaves the ground beef. And the ground beef label told you that you needed to keep that product in the refrigerator or frozen until it was ready to be prepared. Um, if you choose not to listen to this and instead let the product reach an unsafe temperature uh, by keeping it in your car and then on the counter, uh, you're putting yourself and your friends at risk of getting sick. And so that maintains a little bit of safety on the processing side for having that statement, um, but it also gives you specific direction in how to keep that product safe. In some instances, if a product is ready to eat, there won't be additional safe handling instructions. So if it's something that you can just open up the bag and you are fine to have it fully cooked, ready to eat, it may not include other instructions in how to heat it or get it to another cooked temperature. However, if it is a product that requires cooking, the process in which it should be cooked, as well as the temperature that it needs to be cooked to, will likely be included on the label as well. This goes for safety um, and then also for quality of that product. So they give you how to cook it, a temperature to cook it to, um, because they want you to have a good eating experience and return to purchase that product again. Next up is nutritional information. And I'm sure at some point we've all looked at a nutrition label to take account of calories, fat, carbs. Even if you aren't dieting, a lot of times this is something that will catch your eye. And one interesting thing I think, specifically on the calories and fat side in regards to meat, oftentimes if you're buying fresh meat products, there's not gonna be a nutrition label with it. But if you are at a restaurant and you're looking at a ribeye versus a sirloin, you will likely see some major calorie differences. And a big cause of that is the amount of intramuscular fat or that marbling. More fat within that uh, lean will increase calories. Doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for you, um, but may make some people, if they're looking at uh, calorie count, make a different decision in terms of which meat product they choose to consume. But anyway, the nutritional information allows you to monitor your dietary needs and make purchasing decisions that best match what you're seeking in a diet. And so if you're looking for something that's low carb, if you're looking for something that's low fat, keeping that nutritional information there is really important. In addition to having a nutrition label available for those who want to meet a certain diet, it again can play into a safety role. So there's some folks who maybe have a specific diet based on some health concerns that they may be having. And so having that information available there uh, can help them really live a healthy lifestyle. And again, kind of a sidebar on nutritional information. This I just think is an interesting fact. Four grams of sugar is equivalent to one sugar cube. And so I learned this when I was in elementary school, but I really like regular pop. But when I learned this fact in about the sixth grade, every time I now drink a Coke or a Dr. Pepper or even a Gatorade, I can't stop myself from doing the calculation of uh, amount of sugar in that product to sugar cubes. And so just fun fact for you, in a 20-ounce bottle of Dr. Pepper, there's 65 grams of sugar, which is equivalent to 16.25 sugar cubes. 
And so that's one of the other reasons that nutritional information is so important to have on there is it really helps you know, again, along with ingredient statement, along with proper product name, it lets you know what you're putting into your body. So as you heard today, there are many requirements of a food label, um, and the majority of them are there for your safety. Knowing that your food is inspected, how to handle it, and if there are any known allergens or ingredients that you specifically react poorly to or you don't want in your diet is necessary to help keep you healthy. And so all labels must be legally approved to be used. Not just anything can be put on there. Any calories chosen, any ingredient label, um, any wording, all of that has to be approved. In future episodes, I will talk about some of the differences in meanings of other terminology that we commonly see on food labels, such as grass-fed, all-natural, organic, and what uh, those terms really mean and what they convey to the consumer. And so when we think about the meat industry, specifically for myself, when I, I really started looking at meat science as an option, I oftentimes think about the farmer, I think about the person working in the packing plant to cut up the product, and then I think about the actual meat and the actual product. And that's a lot of times what uh, people think of and they wrap their head around when you say meat science. However, there's an entire portion of the meat industry that is devoted to marketing, advertising, labeling, and just selling the product. Um, It's making things eye-catching, so when a consumer walks down the aisle, uh, something grabs their attention and makes them want to try that product and then incorporate it into that diet. And so many of the people that are responsible for actually selling the product maybe don't have a background in meat production, but they play a huge part in getting the product to the table. In addition to that, There are folks in legal and in government and in other areas that set those specific standards and approve those labels for use to make sure that what is actually being sold to consumers is what is in the package. So when it comes to the food we consume, I appreciate these requirements so that way I know exactly what I am purchasing is safe for me, my family, and my friends. So thank you for joining me this week in the meeting room, and I look forward to visiting with you again soon.